Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Yes. My friend's bakery burned down last night. That was business's toast. That's hey everyone, welcome to Church and State. I'm with my wife Jessica Delacruz, state senator in uh, in Rhode Island, and I'm here with my very handsome, good-looking, intelligent husband, David Delacruz. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, today we <laughs> today we wanted to talk about maybe a, a little more of a controversial topic, and it feels like it's a no-brainer for some folks, but they may not realize that a lot of this stuff has already been talked about. And it's the the question of equal pay in Rhode Island, uh, equal pay for equal work, especially when it comes down to women, uh, women, women in particular, are they paid equally as men? And um, this is something that uh, I thought was kind of settled, but then there was a bill making its way through the legislature that got passed. Um, so yeah, I thought it was settled too in, uh, in 1963 when Congress passed the Equal Pay Act, but apparently not. Right. Apparently Rhode Island's been so behind the ball yeah, that, that we're, we're just ignoring, passing this. Ignoring uh, federal law, right? Yeah. Um, you know, this was even in the news, if anyone's paying attention to um, uh, uh, women's soccer or soccer, uh, the World Cup, the uh, women's national um, uh, women's national team, soccer team, actually sued because they felt that they were being, um, and we'll unpack some of this later on, but they felt that they were not being paid equally as men. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually had a chance to take a look at the 32-page um, doc that the uh, the judge uh, put together. Or, Which you or, actually enjoyed. I loved it. <laughs> oh, man, I was just eating popcorn the whole time. Those of you that know me know me. I won't eat popcorn anymore, but I I was enjoying reading. It was a it was a it was a fascinating mm -hmm. read. Um, so we'll talk about that today too. Uh, but I did want to talk about this bill um, and even maybe the history of the equal pay movement. So when I listened to your remarks in the state senate, you mm -hmm. talked about equal pay and talked about. Oh, by the way, I should say if you hear static in the background, that's not you know our microphone. It's actually rain. It's raining today and. Uh, we've got some of the windows open because it just sounds nice to us, but I hope that doesn't bother you if you're listening online or mm -hmm. uh, to our podcast. But uh, Jessica, walk us through some of the history of the equal pay movement. Um, how long has it been around? Because it seems like it's an issue that even though the federal government you know, ruled on this whatever or developed laws on this 50 years ago, it seems like it's, it's not an issue that's going away. Yeah. So disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer. Um, and you just make the laws. I just right? make the laws. Yeah. Now, and yeah, I joke around that you could have two lawyers in a room come out with you know seven different outcomes, like sure. seven different interpretations yeah, of yeah. the law. So, um, not to slight any lawyers because I know several lawyers and I think they're the best. They're amazing people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I say that not because they usually agree with me, but you don't want to get sued. Right. <laughs> so. Um, as I said earlier, the Equal Pay Act of 1963 was passed, and so the law already exists federally that protects women and gives them the opportunity, um, you know, to participate in the workforce and and be able to um, receive the same pay as mm -hmm. men. Okay. Okay. So um, Rhode Island already passed this law years ago as well, um, and I pointed it out on the floor that it was actually Republicans that spearheaded this. Hmm. It was the uh, 70th Congress. It was 1943, 
or 19, to 1945, that, that two-year term, that uh, Winifred Stanley of New York introduced this, uh, the, introduced the bill for equal pay for equal work legislation. Now, obviously, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I believe in equal pay for equal work. Um, but the sponsor of the bill said that she believed in equal pay for similar work, and that it was substantially similar work. And, you what know... That, what does that mean? What does that mean? Um, the... The Equal Pay Act of 1963 said mm-hmm. that there should be equal pay for equal work. So what yeah. what, what does that mean, comparable it's, work? It, what, how is that a change or a shift away mm-hmm. from equal work? So the law says, the federal law says that um, establishment for equal work on jobs and performance for which requires equal skill, effort, and responsibility. Um, and so, you know, I get that your sometimes the job may be like slightly different but substantially similar obviously you know uh no two well not i can't say that no two jobs will be uh identical because there there are many mm-hmm. jobs that are but um i just remember being in labor committee and and the sponsor saying that it should be for similar work mm-hmm. and you know i can't agree to to a law that says you should be paid for similar work it's equal pay for Mm -hmm. equal work okay so you're closer to the equal pay should be almost closer to identical so if uh, if you're a cashier uh with five years experience you should be paid the same amount as a uh, whether you're a man or a woman as another cashier who has five years of experience right but um but that's what the law says okay but comparable work might be a little looser with that thing. So right. maybe you're not a, uh, a cashier, but maybe you're uh, just stocking the shelves or maybe you work in the vicinity of the cashier. I'm not, not quite sure. Well, that's the thing is like there's no definition. So it's vague and can be open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. And the law does a couple of other things. This one, um, you know, age, um, equal pay for depending on, you know, um, uh, your sexual orientation or your, uh, sex or your age, age in this instance means 40 years or older. I found that interesting because when you told me that, uh, it wasn't like anyone of legal age to work, but they highlighted this, this law applies to those 40 years old and over. Mm -hmm. So if you're 18, uh, this law of equal pay for age does not apply to, well, it's, it's not that it doesn't apply to you, but it says that age is defined as 40. Okay. And the reason for that is I had to look this up, uh, is because they are considered a suspect class, which means they're, um, the probability of them uh, being denied exactly, equal pay. Yeah. Gotcha. being discriminated against i see i see and comparable work means work that requires substantially similar skill effort and responsibility um so there's a little difference there and i guess i just believe that very strictly that it's equal pay for equal work mm-hmm. you know um for example a woman may leave the workforce because she decides she wants to stay home like i did yeah. you know i left the workforce for eight years because i wanted to stay home right does that mean that i can go back to employment and then receive the same pay as a colleague, another woman who's been there, okay. who's decided that she didn't want to stay home, that she sent her children to daycare. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. The bill also um, makes it easier for you to sue your employer. So we're a very litigious society, and I don't agree with making, you know, if you were wronged, there's already an avenue for you to uh, sue your employer. Do we sure. want to make it easier? Right. Yeah. No. Right. 
Yeah, we have plenty of billboards up about calling, you know, in, whether it's injury law or someone who's been right. wronged. Uh, um, and I said on the floor, I am a woman. And I believe in equal pay for equal work. I right. don't care if you're black or you're white, you're a woman, you're a man. I don't care if you're a lesbian or gay or whatever. Equal pay for equal work. Right. Okay. And that just seems to be something that was settled a long time ago, like 50 or 60 years ago, back in 1963. Right. Um, you know, and it's not just that. When I was looking into all of the different laws that we've had, it's the Civil Rights Act of 64. It's the Equal Employment Opportunity Act of 1972. It's Title IX, which uh, helps out in the area of education. It's the 14th Amendment, which provides equal protection of the laws for all people. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there's already been a lot of movement to uh, to bring equality and uh, equality of opportunity and equality of pay for uh, for women and uh, and and minorities and, and others. You know, uh, what, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I love what you're saying. This is all true. And so sometimes I wonder if legislation is passed like Kind of like give yourself a pat on the back, mm -hmm. even though. Is it like virtue signaling legislation? I gotta, it, I gotta wonder if it is. Because I'm wondering what it actually does. Like, does this move the needle? Does is this actually something that there was an outpour, like an outcry of women who noticed that uh, they were being no, uh, uh, not paid similar wages for whatever comparable comparable work is. Just wondering if that was a thing. I, no. I do hear a lot of you know. I talked about the soccer team, the women's soccer team, very upset about their perceived um, um, uh, being uh, uh, paid less than than men. So we'll and you should be outraged if that's true. Yeah. Right. But we we read the the uh, brief right and the argument, and then we found out some information. The, the which court was talks. yeah. Well, when um, when I was looking at this uh, women's national soccer team thing, this this was a fight that they had been in, according to the docs, since like, I don't know, 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. um, they had gone back and forth trying to negotiate a better contract. And uh, more than 20 of these uh, players filed a, a gender discrimination lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation. They're the ones that decide the, the, the pay and, and the benefits and all that. And they were basically seeking equitable pay and treatment compared to the men's soccer team. Um, they, they felt that they, they were not paid the same wages that men were paying. Mm -hmm. And uh, in May of 2020, the judge um, who heard their case threw out their case because he reminded the women, first of all, that they had signed this contract. This was a contract they had willingly, you know, through collective bargaining, agreed to sign this contract. Um, and and he, it wasn't like the it was presented to them. They this specifically was, asked for um, right. These for, exactly. Yeah. These were all provisions. These were all benefits. These were all you know whether it's their wage or the um, all of the other nuanced benefits. Stuff was, all of that stuff was stuff that they had negotiated for mm -hmm. and they had signed for. What I found really interesting about this case when I started to look at it is that the women's soccer team was given the the same exact contract as the men they were offered that contract they said hey take this it's what the men take you can you guys can qualify for the exact same thing and they rejected it mm -hmm. so right off the bat we know that they were not looking for equal pay they were looking for something different um for example when i was looking at the men's contract the um uh, the men's contract was was pay only if they played. 
if they were sick, if they didn't show up, you know, if they weren't invited to, to play that day, they, they got paid nothing. Mm -hmm. The women were looking more for job security. They were looking for a paycheck, whether you played or you didn't um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, play. Uh, whether you were sick that day, whether there was maternity leave, uh, whether you were sick, injury, all those kind of things. They were looking for something else. They were the, looking for more job security where the men, right. I get it, that they probably right. play on a professional team. So they're mm -hmm. already compensated, you know, with a second job. Yeah. So I, you know, the women are looking for security. That's right. okay. Right. Uh, the men's uh, national team, they had no annual salary. So it was really just per game. It was almost like a per diem kind of an arrangement that they uh, that they received. Now, they did have this provision that if they did play, their pay would be determined by how much um, or how many games they won and whether or not they got into the postseason and into the semifinals and then the World Cup. And of course, as you progressively advanced into the season with a winning record, you would get paid more. And uh, when the women decided to reject this contract, uh, to your point, they were looking for a few different things. The first one was they actually wanted more women to be contracted onto the team. So now you're seeing some of the, the pool of resources that were being um, distributed to the team, distributed among more of them. Mm -hmm. uh, second, they were looking for what's called greater base compensation. So not just... Um, a guarantee that they'll be paid, you know, whether they're sick or injured or anything, but they would be treated like employees. They'd have health benefits, mm -hmm. dental, vision, they'd have childcare provisions, injury pay, maternity right. leave. Yep. They even had these provisions in there that they wanted uh, ticket profit sharing. So if they were able to sell more tickets than were expected, or if the viewership on, on, on television uh, superseded expectations, they would share in some of those profits. It was really I mean, in my opinion, it was it was a really smart way of them to yeah. uh, uh, negotiate this contract. Mm -hmm. if, if we have a winning record and we're getting more attention, we want some of the uh, the benefits of that. And then they had other provisions that if they wanted to play in other uh, tournaments, they would uh, receive money for that as well. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty you know nuanced and pretty extensive contract that went well beyond just playing you know for the World Cup. You know, it wasn't just dependent on on games. And the judge threw the case out. He cited that there was no real evidence of wage discrimination. The, the women were saying, no, wait a minute. We are demanding a literal interpretation of wages. In other words, if the men are getting paid $17,000 for a win, we want $17,000 for a win. But the judge said, but you're ignoring the fact that you are getting that other money in other in other ways you're mm -hmm. getting it in this in, in the form and the of health these, insurance yeah, and, and the, the time off exactly. and the profit sharing yep and then uh, i had to dig through the uh the the legal doc to, to find this but um the the uh, uh one of the uh the defendants in this case from the uh, the soccer league he um he pointed out that the women's national team actually was paid more than the men when you total totaled up their entire mm. compensation yep. beyond just wages. Let's throw the wages in, let's throw the benefits, any money that you guys receive, let's total it up and let's see what it came uh, comes out to. So from 2015 to 2019, payments to the women's national team totaled 24 million, whereas to the men's, it was 18 million. And then when you break that down by game, the women averaged $220,000 per game. 
whereas the men average $212,000 per game. Mm -hmm. What we are seeing in this case is crazy inequity <laughs> between the men and the women, but it was in favor of the women. The women actually made much more money. What the women's, uh, what, what the, the, um, uh, the plaintiff, the, these uh, lawyers uh, and, and the women were arguing was they wanted their entire benefit package that they had negotiated for and the same wages that the men were getting paid. But that, so that number mm -hmm. would have been... It would have been almost even, double. Yeah, it would have exactly. been a crazy high. Because, so instead of being quite very almost similar, 220 to 212, they wanted the equal pay and all of the benefits. Right, exactly. exactly. Where the men were just saying, hey, we don't care about the benefits. We don't care about any of this stuff. We just want the money. Give us the money. Show me the money. And the women were looking more for a much more extensive contract that wasn't just money heavy. They were looking for benefits, all these side benefits. And they got that. But now they were arguing, wait a minute, equal pay law. We're supposed to be paid the same amount in wages as the men. And the judge said, no, I mean, that's not that's not how we interpret wages. Wages, according to the Equal Pay uh, Act, is it, it takes into account all of the benefits as well. So. Right. What this uh, court case did was, in my opinion, it just exposed the, um, the disingenuous argument that some of these, uh, those advocating for equal pay have been using. I mean, uh, I was listening to um, a press conference where I think it was Joe Biden and, and um, uh, he was with the women. And of course, they were advocating, let's get this thing passed. The U.S. Equal soccer pay. women's yeah. team, yeah. But they, um, he was buying into this argument that women are not being paid equally as men. When Well, when you put it that way, when you put it like, we're not getting paid the same dollar amount as men, yeah, you're not. Mm -hmm. But you failed to mention that you're also getting all of this compensation in you exactly. know, child care and maternity leave and whatever. Right, and, right. and like to your point, that is Profit compensation. Profit sharing and the ticket sales. Sure, and the, yeah. I mean, anyone that wanted to use their image, their likeness, um, you know, mm -hmm. for advertisements, they were getting a piece of that for like at least a year or two years. I can't remember what the contract said, but they were getting a lot of uh, other sources of revenue outside of just their wage. And again, that's something that they deliberately negotiated for in their, in their mm -hmm. contract. And they got it. They got the contract they wanted. What happened was because they won the World Cup, they looked back and said, wait a minute, I think we could have made more money had we taken the men's contract um, and kept our benefits. And that's when the judge said, wait a minute, you can't retroactively say we don't like the contract we signed and agreed to because in hindsight, we realized we could have made even more money. The judge just saw through that as, you know, as he rightfully should have. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think you had pointed out to me when we were talking about it earlier this week that... Uh, the women's team performs really well national um, uh, globally. Yeah, yeah, compared to the men's team. Yeah, so you yeah, know. they, they uh, they're great competitors. Yeah. I, I I was a big fan of uh, women. I still am. I mean, to, to as much a, to the extent that I'm a fan of soccer, um, I'm a fan of seeing them win and seeing them succeed. So yeah. that's that's awesome. I'm not a huge fan of soccer, but but this case just to me was it was pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't even believe that they could sue with a straight face and mm -hmm. say, you know, this isn't equal pay because you're actually getting paid more, but yeah. your contract gives you more security where, um, 
you know, for the men, it's just pay for, for each game you pay right. for play. So, so do you have any last words on this? I mean, um, it was something you were asked about a couple of years ago because you had taken a similar vote on this, um, on this bill, yeah. uh, back in, was it 2018 or 2019? Yeah. Yep. But, uh, but it, it has, um, it hasn't just passed the Senate, it passed the house right. and it's been signed by the governor. So there is now a, uh, a I don't know if it's been signed by the governor. I have to say, if not, it's going to be soon. Yeah. Um, but you know, closing, closing, uh, thought here is we all believe in equal pay for every individual. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter for equal work for equal work. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, what your background is or your, your sex, your mm -hmm. race, whatever. I believe in equal pay for equal work. Right. You know, I think my, my take on it would be if a person decides that they want to devote some of their time, some of their, their, their life time, some of those years of life to staying at home with their children or to vacationing or taking a, a year off, mm -hmm. then that's their decision and let the market, you know, figure it out. You know, whether if they've lost some experience or they've, they've, uh, they haven't been close to that industry or whatever that practice is, they've made that decision. So they should be allowed to, to live with it. Uh, you know, and deal with the, the pros and the cons to it. Mm -hmm. On the pros, you're spending more time with your kids or seeing more of the world. But on the cons, obviously, um, you, you're not in the loop in your particular field, in your in your career. Um, what this does, it seems like what this law is trying to do is get us closer to ignoring that decision and just saying, no, nope, it doesn't matter. Well, it, like I said, there, there are some changes. Um, uh, the, makes it easier to sue an employer your employer can ask what you made in your previous position uh, and i get that because if you're you know at a new position a new company and they pay x amount of dollars to you know uh, a man then you they don't want to look at previously what you were earning but you know the other thing is i believe in free exchange of information if an employer wants to ask you you should be free to answer or decline mm -hmm. without, you know, any, uh, you know, retribution or anything, but, um, without the state having to step in and say, no, you're not allowed to ask that. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So there are just some problems w with the language that I just didn't agree with. Um, and just, you know, set the record straight, of course. And, and I hate to make this like, you know, partisan issue, but when I look at history, you know, Republicans fought for women's rights, the right to vote. Mm -hmm. the right for equal pay, um, to free slaves. I mean, so I can't stand when, um, myself or other people in the Republican party are painted in a way that they are anti-woman, right. anti-immigrant, anti, um, you know, uh, I think minority. That, was, that was probably my favorite attack that was used against you by, uh, your opponent in the last election season that, you know, you don't like women. I was yeah. like, wow, that's, I'm anti-woman. Yeah. That's, you know, that's I, a... I loathe myself. So, <laughs> But anyway, so just wanted to set that record straight. But we are um, thankful that you have joined us this week and um, stick around for the closing quote. Today's closing quotation comes from a woman who shattered many barriers, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. I think the truth of the matter is people who end up as first don't actually set out to be first. They set out to do something they love, and it just so happens that they are the first to do it.
Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 